Good morning. Welcome to Conversations with Friends with Mary Almwake, exploring ways to live our lives more fully in this wonderful world. We welcome your calls and thoughts at 242-7800. Conversations with Friends is brought to you on KAOI by Unity of Maui, where the heart is at home. Now, here's your host, Mary Almwake. Good morning. Welcome to Maui. Welcome to Maui. Hi, Mary. I'm James Jacobson. This is Mary Elmwake, and this is Conversations with Friends. And we started because we were just talking. Um, we didn't realize we were on the air about what a wonderful Mother's Day we shared. We yeah. hope all, everyone out there really took time to honor the divine feminine within themselves. Make sure you called your mom and all the women that have been instru- or all the people who have been instrumental in that feminine way of supporting you, nurturing you, empowering you reminding you to get back up and get going and it was a great Mother's Day. It was a great Mother's Day we had, and and of course you are my Hanai mom, which is one of these really cool things in Hawaii. We're going to be talking about some other Hawaiian things on today's program, um, but just this concept that we have in Hawaii that isn't really entrenched, and that people get it, and people who are who are Haoli's like us can really appreciate and, and become a part of the culture and society by uh, having that type of Hanai relationship <laughs> that you that you and I share, Mary. Right. Well, you know, and and I did not know the term Hanai. But um, as I was doing my inner child healing, and a lot of us did that with John Bradshaw many years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, because of the nature of my own family of origin, where it wasn't, uh, let, it, let us say, not highly skilled at loving. I think that's <laughs> a really nice way to put it. And uh, so I was blessed with the most beautiful spiritual mothers uh, and fathers, and really l- got to be nurtured in that kind of environment. When I came to Maui, I learned that Hanai children, Hanai aunties and uncles, that that was just a concept, that all of us are um, interrelated, and, and there's such a recognition. Uh, but it is a very uh, sacred thing. I call it the, uh, your chosen son or your chosen daughter, mm-hmm. because it's like uh, it's very sacred when your soul meets someone and mm-hmm. says, ah, there's a divine soul connection. I feel that with you, Jim. Well, I feel the same way. Thank you very much. And it's just it's just a great thing to be able to connect in that way, and if you weren't totally happy with what you got the first time in terms of your family, you can have a choice, opportunity to make different choices <laughs> and, and consciously choose your own family. So I like that a lot. And, and forgive because you did get the perfect family. I think a lot of people, it took me a while to get that, yeah. that I actually got the perfect family to learn the life lessons and to give the gifts that were mine to give. Mm-hmm. That was a, uh, and then uh, the real turning point for me, Jim, was when someone said, well, if you don't heal it with this family, you'll repeat it. And I want yeah. you to know it. When I heard that, <laughs> I took that so soci- I did every training, every intent every forgiveness process, um, and uh, thanks to the Hoffman process and several others, uh, my mother, my father had already passed, but my mother and I, in her 13 years of dementia, we had, and it sounds strange to say, a totally loving, uh, overwhelming, it's just I told people, I'd go sit there, and often it was like sitting with the Dalai Lama. Mm. Uh, Because once you clear away the patterning, Mm -hmm. then you get just how wounded your parents were, the ones who weren't skilled at loving. Mm-hmm. And you really get uh, at a total paradigm shift how precious their souls are. And by the time you maybe became their child, they already had patterns that just were almost insurmountable on this plane. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful thing to be able to love your parents. And those who uh, are listening that just had beautiful relationships, you know, that's something to thank them every single day, not to miss a chance to Absolutely. say thank you. There thank are you. some people in, in our in our church community who have the most 
amazing, loving families, and they are really models. And so it's it's so wonderful to see them on things like Mother's Day a couple weeks ago, and just in general yeah. to see them how how connected they are. And it was uh, it's just it's just a, such a sweet sweet thing. Well, it was. It's been a couple weeks, but it's still good to remember how powerful that was. And we hadn't seen each other for a while. But no. anyway, we want to welcome you. And uh, we have a very, uh, actually two very interesting and special guests mm-hmm. today. We have a, a Kahuna arch healing instructor, a woman who teaches oneness, lives oneness, has embraced it. And I have to say, when I met Lori Grant, and she has a Hawaiian name, I'll let her say, Keakoa, I believe, Keakoa, but she actually is a kahuna, which is a very sacred thing. You never call yourself a kahuna. It's someone else to call you that. She has been called that by um, the the wonderful, you'll tell us the process in a minute, but she has been totally immersed in uh, not just oneness, non-duality, that's the latest, but in um, uh, an ancient Hawaiian healing and acknowledged. And she's going to be with us talking about uh, a process that you can get involved in, something very practical you can do. And then, Jim, on the second half of the program, we're going to be talking to the former president of Unity, Tom Zinder. Tom Zinder. Just stepped out of that position, president of all of Unity Worldwide. He's uh, on the leadership council of me with the association. And Tom, as he was you know, winding down uh, the work at Unity, uh, discovered an in deep inner passion for peace work and has done in extensive work in the Middle East and has been there three times in the last three years, two years. And he's going to be sharing some very wonderful things that are happening. And, and you know, we want to keep hearing the good news because one of the things he is convinced about, you know, we hear on the news all the time, these incredible, awful situations. But the people, the people on all sides want peace. Absolutely. I mean, we say the people, the the mass, the mo- basic, the yeah. mothers, the fathers, um, Muslim, Christian, Jewish, they are ready for peace. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how can we help them? How can we support them? So, um, let's see, why don't we introduce Lori? We we should. Hi, Lori. Hello. This is Sir Lori Keakoa Grant. Perfect. And, okay. uh, yeah, and Lori, um, you know, it is interesting because you can't see this. This is radio, <laughs> but Lori has the most beautiful, clear, blonde, gorgeous hair. Yeah, so and uh, <laughs> you don't normally think of her uh, in, in the Hawaiian tradition. Yeah, and if I ran into you at the, at the mall, I might not know that you are... A kahuna. Yeah, you probably wouldn't, unless maybe you got close enough to feel the mana coming Fi- through me, I- which I take no credit for. It just comes through. But mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for those of us who are not very familiar, I mean, that that's a term that really is bantied about a lot, and and and, it, and, and we know it's an honorific, but I explain what it really well, means to be considered a kahuna. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say it's honorific because that sounds like it's given to somebody. Okay. It actually means expert. And in ancient times, people studied for years and years and years and years and years to become an expert at ca- at canoe making or navigation or la'apalau healing abilities mm-hmm. and things like that. So growing up to be a kahuna, especially because I would be called a howley here, mm-hmm. um, very blonde-haired and green-eyed, um, um, was not something I aspired to do. Um, actually, I, I've been teaching... Um, spirituality for 34 years and I taught Reiki for 15 years and assumed that I was going to be teaching Reiki for the rest of my life and then about um, nine years ago I was in a serious car accident and demolished my right knee and I was sure that Reiki could heal it I you know went to the doctor and they said oh you need surgery your meniscus is torn I said I'm not letting you cut on me I do Reiki (laughs) you know that's just insane and to, to make a long story short I worked on it with Reiki and it didn't heal it 
I had some of my Reiki masters that I had trained that I knew their instructor well, so I knew they had good uh, good training in mm-hmm. that. They worked on it, felt better, didn't heal it. I went to other Reiki masters that um, I didn't know, and it it didn't get healed. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse, and I walked around on it like that for three and a half years. Finally, sir, came to exploratory surgery. And when they got in there, they found out not only was my meniscus torn, it was flipped back up on top of itself, and I was walking around on it like that for three and a half years, Mm. which, of course, then demolished it. And then they cut off the flap, which then meant I'd bone on bone on one side. At least when it was doubled up on one side, there was enough padding padding so the bones couldn't come together on the other side. Well, now there was bone on bone. It got worse and worse and worse. Thank you, surgeon. Exactly. (laughs) And what they were thinking, I don't know. So then in... um, July 4th of 2000, I was coming over to Honolulu to teach a Reiki class, and by that time, I was on crutches. You know, it looks really good for the Reiki master teacher to show up on crutches touting the miracles of Reiki, right? So I needed a miracle, and I needed it fast, and I had no idea how that was going to look. You know, I mean, how to make God laugh, tell your plans, right? So um, I was headed headed across. I was staying at um, the Hyatt Regency in Waikiki, and I was headed across the street to what I called Waikiki Beach then. It's really Kuhia. Beach. Mm-hmm. And there, I don't know if your listeners know this, but on the beach are these giant stones called the Kahuna Healing Stones, sure. sometimes called the Wizard Stones. And back then, there was this little sign that said there were four Tahitian kahuna. And in Hawaiian, Tahiti means someplace other than here. doesn't necessarily mean Tahiti, Tahiti. I did not know that. And the um, four Tahitian kahuna, it said, went around the islands um, uh, teaching their form of healing. And before they left, they deposited all of their mana, which is our life force energy, in the stones. Mm -hmm. Well, the Hawaiian legend says that they became the stones because if you put all your mana in something outside of yourself, your body has nothing to live on and Mm -hmm. it dies. So I'm standing there looking at the stones they look like big stones and i say out loud it's 4 35 o'clock in the morning nobody else is there i say i don't know if there's any truth to this legend but if there is i could use a little bit of help <laughs> i've been good really i have i have five kids two sets of twins that ought to give me some sort of good karma and i said i promise you if you help me heal my knee i will do whatever i can to get your mana out to the world now mostly i thought i was venting you know right. but as soon as i said that this rainbow just like Anybody listening, it's in a rainbow, but it came straight down, came down in, around, and through my entire body. It was so hot on my hands, I felt like it was being branded, and my knee was healed instantly. So we had before x-rays where I had bone on bone, after x-rays where it looks like a fairly normal knee. And I also had a fibrocystic mass in my breast that my mother had before she had breast cancer, and it was gone. And then, with my eyes open, I saw this vision of all these Hawaiian gods and goddesses. And the main goddess said to me um, that I'd made a commitment lifetimes ago to come back when the time was right to teach the ancient wisdom that we're all one. And was I going to honor that commitment? And if my if the listeners ever have experience like this, I encourage you to ask for the fine print before you mm. agree. But I just said, let's see, you know, my knee is healed. They said, your knee is healed. Said, okay, sure, fine. Um, some so days this I happened have, all in that experience while you're standing outside on Waikiki Beach with, with wow. Yep. And then I got this download of all this information of how the ancient kahuna healed um, before the 12th century, which is when they did laying autumn hands. It was after the 12th century they did it, they did la'a palau, which is the healing with the herbs mm-hmm. and medicinal plants. Um, and then, so I went home to Boulder, Colorado, which is where I was living at the time, and I wanted to try this out, wouldn't you? So the boy across the street, who was 16, used to come over and flirt with my then 16-year-old twin girls, um, was riding a motor scooter, fell down, broke 
his arm, went the x-ray, they went to the hospital, they x-rayed it, found out the bone was so broken it was going to require surgery. So they set the bone, put temporary cast on him, then made an appointment with the orthopedic surgeon for 10.30 the next morning. At that point, he came over to our house to show off his cast to my 16-year-old twin girls and how macho he is, and you want to sign my cast, baby. Okay. And I said, well, you want this broken arm? I don't know. Well, what did they tell you? Oh, I'm going to be in a cast. have to have the surgery, be in a cast for 8 to 10 weeks. Going, well, you really want that? I don't know. It's like, well, what are you getting out of this? I don't know. Well, my dad drives an ambulance. Uh-huh. So I guess I'm getting some attention. Uh-huh. I thought... Maybe I should stop now, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I continued on. I said, oh, just give me your arm, you know, and I did my thing through the cast. He went through orthopedic surgeon the next morning. They did a second set of x-rays. So the x-rays were 13 to 14 hours apart. Not only did the, did the bone not need surgery, it wasn't even broken anymore. So we don't know whether it was healed in the first 13 to 14 seconds, mm-hmm. first 13 to 14 um, minutes, or the, first, or the 13 to 14 hours. But we know it was healed in 13, 14 hours. So then I tried it out on numerous other people, and it was just miracle, miracle after miracle <coughs> after miracle. And then... All um, with broken bones or no, with no, other no, things? No, no, no. My mother had a, um, a, a mass underneath her eye, and I came and saw her. I said, what's that, Mom? She said, oh, it's cancer. It's melanoma, honey. It was this great, big, large, gross-looking thing. I said, why don't you let me work on it? Oh, I don't know, honey. It's like, oh, come on, Mom. You know, it won't hurt a bit, and you can still go to the doctor, you know, and get them to take it off if, you know, it doesn't work. So I worked on her, and she got up to go use the restroom, and she did this double take in the mirror and said, Honey, it looks like it's gone. Yeah, Mom, it's gone. But, Honey, it looks like it's not there anymore. Yeah, Mom, it's not there anymore. But, Honey, it's, like, disappeared. (laughs) Yeah, Mom, it's disappeared. Honey, how did that happen? It's like, Don't worry about it, Mom. Just don't make it come back. So the only way her left brain can accept that it went away, she doesn't even remember having it, which is fine with me because she won't make it grow back then. So then I started <laughs> teaching it, and people would have miracle after miracle after miracle. So you miracle. started teaching this technique that was instantly downloaded to you. And the mana. The, the most important thing is the mana that came through okay. that I passed on to my students, and okay. they were able to. I mean, the technique is good, too, but a lot of it is, you know, the mana. Um, you know, I just want to pause here because the word mana is translated in the Hebrew word uh, bread, mm-hmm. but it means uh, energy. It means, and isn't it interesting, sustenance, understanding, guidance, support, and the food your body needs. And so here you are with a Hawaiian term, mana, and here they are in the desert 4,000 years ago, the mana fed by the mana each day they get what they need and so many people just think about it as physical food but it was whatever strength whatever insight whatever guidance they needed was the mana so it's just i just think it's so interesting just like aloha and the name that jesus probably used for god or goddess or presence or pure being was alaha you know in aramaic and it just i'm always i love to see you know hear how language picks these things up and i coincidence is just I don't there think are no there are no coincidences. <laughs> but anyway, that. so I just I just pause on that mana because it is something that is a vibration that you are a vehicle Absolutely. for. Yep. You're a vessel for something that can do great things. Thank you. So then 
you know, how did how did I become a Kahuna? I mean, that's a whole other story. Right. Okay, so, so you have this power. You, you right, you're, and I'm using all my you're, students, you're, you're and they're healing it's broken amazing. bones. Through, it's amazing, yeah. absolutely, and I'm so blessed. You know, I'm I'm just the radio. I'm just the vehicle that right. this mana comes through. You know, right. and I can teach other people how to be radios. You know, I'm just very blessed. So then I get this email from a Kahuna Lokahi from the Big Island, and he says, "Congratulations on accepting your position." I'm thinking, what does this guy know? And he said, Is this like never... that who's who scam where you know you can be in the who's who book? Well, you know, no, no, I don't think so. He's, no, this is fascinating. And he says, so he sends and he an says never apologize for not being Hawaiian. At one point, we knew we're all one. It was only power and politics that separated us. So we started emailing back and forth, and then um, I was coming over to Honolulu to teach ARCH, and ARCH stands for Ancient Rainbow Conscious Healing, and it's all the vibrations. So one of the, probably lots of your listeners do Reiki, and lots of people ask me how it differs from that. Well, Reiki is four very, very, very powerful frequencies of universal life force energy. ARCH is all of them. It's the full spectrum of the rainbow. So it's sort of like if you have the right frequency, you can shatter glass. Well, ARCH has all the frequencies, so it can break up what whatever dis-ease somebody is holding on to. So, well, I want to go back to, so you got this email. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm okay. getting there. Okay. So um, so I invite him and his wife, his naturopathic physician, to come over as my guest to take my seminar. And he says that I'm going to be surprised when we talk story. And that he looked forward to learning more from the chosen one. I'm thinking, you know, Kahuna must have a different way of talking. I don't know what he's, you know, referring to. That just sounds odd to me. So we get together, and he starts telling me about how when he was um, being trained by his grandmother, his tutu, who was a kahuna, that she told him over and over again about the, the ancient legend, centuries-old legend, that there would be a fair-haired wahine woman who was destined to take a leadership role in the ku kahuna tradition. And she told him about that legend over and over and over again and told him that he was, she thought he was destined to discover that wahine, to discover that woman. And by the time he got to be a macho Hawaiian teenager he thought that was rubbish and it was him that was going to take the leadership role you know he forgot all about it so a good place to pause right at the verge of the cliffhanger how did a blonde haired um not blue-eyed but certainly very fair gorgeous uh woman become a leader in one of the ancient hawaiian traditions we have to hear from our sponsors and so lori keakoa how pretty. What does that mean? It means I got given this name by spirit, and turns out it means white or fair from the divine source. No, I fair couldn't from have the come up source. with that Kea. if I tried. There you go. <laughs> we'll be right back because Lori will be giving a free talk on Arch Healing on June 1st at Unity Church, and then um, a Sunday afternoon on June 3rd, she'll be doing a two-hour workshop where you can actually learn how to apply some of this on um, enlightenment and oneness and all that good stuff. So thank you for staying tuned because we are going to be back. Jim is going to start his uh, weekly segment on uh, a one thing that you can do this week to um, support uh, life on the planet, and that's a very good thing. So we thank our sponsors. Thank you for staying tuned. Conversations with Friends with Mary Omwake is a presentation of Unity on Maui. We are a trans-denominational community If you'd like to join our families of sponsors on Conversations with Friends, please call us at Unity at 242-9327. There's a reason that Hawaii's premier mortgage company has successfully completed over $2 billion in loans for the people of Maui. With over 20 years of experience and a 99% loan completion rate, Trisha Morris and Premier Mortgage have earned the trust of thousands of Maui homeowners. 
where mortgages are concerned, don't leave anything to chance. Go with number one. Call Trisha Morris and her team of magicians today. 874-8800. That's 874-8800 for Hawaii's premier mortgage company. And now, back to Conversations with Friends. We want to thank one of our sponsors who makes Conversations with Friends possible, and that is the magazine Real Estate Maui Style. Every month, Myrna Stone and the folks over there put together the most amazing publication that is available for free. You can just pick it up anywhere on the island, wherever you see those magazines sold, but these are free. This is Real Estate Maui Style, and the photographs, the content, the articles, the who's who guide is fantastic. Um, this month's issue has a beautiful jacaranda tree on it, uh, and you want to pick it up because there's a wonderful article about the um, mediation services of Maui. They just celebrated their uh, 25th anniversary. 25 what a great years. group of people. They are a fantastic group, and uh, Myrna Stone is involved with them, and she is uh, very much uh, the, the force behind this publication, and we thank Myrna Stone and all the people at Real Estate Maui Style who help make conversations with friends possible. And you can find Real Estate Maui Style uh, everywhere that they have real estate magazines, mm-hmm. your market, your drugstores, your different places around the island. But what the artwork in this exquisite, and mm-hmm. this week's cover, often last time it was the whale. Mm-hmm. This is the jacaranda, and why I love that is the jacarandas bloom as the whales leave. It is just <laughs> such a gift it's the nice universe gives. If you're, if you're bumming is. out that the whales are gone, oh, I was. Just, dri- then, just drive around up country. And oh, and go around. now because they're already out and they're, the wind's already starting and one mm-hmm. good rain and they're you know mm-hmm. diminished so take that trip up to grandma's go to the wine country or go up to haleakala and it's just a dream come true and just wine put good music on you can go like to wine that. country our, our, one, our, our one our one winery uh, well, we, how much do you need jim well okay true true we are speaking with laurie keakoa grant who is uh, a kahuna and she was sharing with us before the break how this howley with blonde hair and green eyes uh, became a kahuna. So you were saying that you got this invitation from this kahuna who lived on the big island and you invited him to your event and then he said he wanted to talk story with you afterwards. What happened? Right, and so he was telling me about the centuries-old Hawaiian legend that there would be a fair-haired wahine destined to take a leadership role in his tradition that his tutu um, told him about over and over again that, that she thought he was going to meet that person. I'm thinking, that poor woman, now who would sign on for that? You know, it sounds like a, you know, a setup mm-hmm. for challenges. And he's going, and it's you. I'm going, no. And he goes, no, it's you. I'm going, no. And he goes, he goes what, you think this is all about your knee? You think this is about your knee? Oh, maybe not. Mm. So then he, Hanai, adopted me. We would mm. say Hanaid, but in the Hawaiian tradition, you know, there is no past or future tense. It's uh, all happening so very, right very now. Very much living in the present. So it's Hanai. So he, you know, um, very quickly adopted me as his daughter, and then he began to train me in the pieces that I missed, yeah. and he validated that this mana coming through me, that I'm blessed to have coming through me, is the same mana that they used before the 12th century to heal bone and other ailments instantly. That's um, awesome. And now you had before you met him and were officially uh, called a kahuna, had you already developed the arch technique, which stands for... 
Yes, ancient rainbow conscious healing. So I developed most of it. it. I'd okay. already developed most of it, and and eighty five percent of it we have found documentation to. In fact, that is exactly what it is that they did. And then he supplied the other fifteen percent of um, that I that I was missing. And then two thousand and three, he calls me up and he goes, "So it's time to start talking about your initiation." I said, "Well, what initiation is that?" He said, "To initiate you as a Kahuna." I said, oh no no no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> he said, "Yeah yeah." And so this conversation went back and forth for months. I kept saying, "No no 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 no," and he kept. He decided it was going to be, you know, the solstice, and I had st- I was teaching a class then. We're going to do it in front of the students, and I kept saying no, 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 no. And then finally, he's saying, "Tell them to bring apples," and I'm saying, you know, I told you, I don't think this is a good idea because I didn't want to offend the Hawaiians. I right. thought I would be, you know, this would just be, uh, you know, um, an insult <laughs> to them, right? right? And he said. No, you know, you made a commitment to Keakua, Divine Source, lifetimes ago. You cannot weasel out of this now. There is no weaseling in Kahuna. Okay. So not, so he initiated me, not only as a Kahuna, but as the head of his order. Wow. And I pray every single day to be worthy of that position. And I'm so blessed that so many Hawaiians have supported all of this. My main um, apprentice in Hawaii is Hawaiian. My office manager is Hawaiian. My computer guy is Hawaiian. And oh, I, I teach um, arch healing and I teach um, other things like arch ho'oponopono. Mm-hmm. And uh, year before last, OHA, so the State Office of Hawaiian Affairs, paid for seven of their employees to take my Ho'oponopono class. Wow. And my first line when they called up to enroll them, so I said, have you seen me? <laughs> they said, well, your reputation as a teacher with impeccable, akumu, yeah. um, uh, with impeccable integrity precedes you. That's fantastic. So um, in, the, in the free talk, uh, you're going to talk about the Which is this Friday, and, June 1st. Yeah. No, I think it's a week. Yeah. It's a week from June first. Okay. It's a week from June first, and then Friday night, and then Sunday, June third, is going to be the uh, Infinite Oneness Enlightenment Mini. I love that two hours Infinite Oneness Enlightenment because you also had another uh, life changing experience we were talking about at the David Hawkins series we do every Monday night, which is open. Anyone who wants to come down and meditate, listen to David Hawkins on DVD, and then um, have a wonderful discussion and meditate again. It's a great. couple hours to spend Monday nights from uh, 6.45 to 8.45. And, and it really is wonderful. I encourage really, everybody to come on down. And yeah, I love David Hawkins. Fabulous. So um, tell me about your oneness experience and what is the Sunday workshop going to be? Well, let, let me just, one, one more thing. For the, the free talk, not only am I going to talk story about all of this, I'm going to explain how it really works, and then I'm going to bring healing energy down through every single person in the room so they get a mini personal healing from me. So that's the free um, talk story and healing experience on Friday, June 1st from 7 to 9 at Unity. And you share a very powerful technique you've done both at, yes. at the Wisdom Series. I know you'll be off-island this week because you're in San Diego teaching this. But um, the, it, was, it was wonderful to end the meditation with an <laughs> ancient Hawaiian breath. It's a breath and you really feel the shift. So it's a lovely experience if you're open to it. And then if, again, if all of that wasn't enough, I mean, being a kahuna and the head of an order, and I mean, it was just all huge. Then in September of 2003, I was teaching a (coughs) class in Boston, actually a oneness class in Boston, and I was about to give an initiation to the breath of Eo, and Eo is an ancient Hawaiian term for God. And what I do is I put on a chant, and my students,
means go into meditation and I clear myself out so anything that could stop me from giving the cleanest, clearest, purest um, initiation possible I remove because you can pour you know, crystal clear water into a dirty glass and you're going to get dirty water right? Mm-hmm. and I stand up and I ask for the highest level of in this case breath of EO to come through me that I can easily accommodate for the purpose of initiating my students the highest level of breath of EO that they can easily accommodate well instead of it coming down in this nice neat little column it comes down and goes and I'm literally one with everything. I am one with the chair I'm standing behind. I'm one with the student who's sitting in that chair. I'm one with the room. I'm one with the town. I'm one with the you know, city, the country, the universe, and one with the source. So I'm the source, and the source is me. And an interesting side note to that, the Dalai Lama was in town. So I don't know if the, he helped you know, heighten the energy, so it made it more possible for me to make that quantum leap. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised, right? So... Um, the amazing thing to me, so this is called a non-duality experience. I ne- didn't know what it was even called until I was led to David Hawkins, and he validated that, yes, in fact, I had gone into non-duality oneness. Um, so the amazing thing is, unlike a near-death experience, in a near-death experience, people experience things based upon their belief system. So if you're a Christian, you're more likely to see Jesus. If you're a Buddhist, you're more likely to go into the bardo. Well, unlike that in the non-duality experience, everybody, no matter what their age, no matter what their culture, no matter what their beliefs, no matter what their education, experiences exactly the same thing. So first off, there's no sense of a body whatsoever. The body just disappears. Mm-hmm. There's no sense of time. There's there's um, no thoughts, which as a double, double Gemini, that got my attention more than anything else. And there's... This incredible bliss, as you can imagine, of oneness with everything, including the source, and absolutely no motivation to do anything but be in that state. Okay, because it's sure. you know, the, the Christians call it the highest state of human consciousness, and the Buddhists call it the highest state of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So why would you want to come out of that? Mm-hmm. So I'm there in bliss, and my apprentice comes over after about five or ten minutes and goes, "Lori, we're going to do initiations." Now. A Lori sounded kind of familiar to me. An initiation, maybe, but whatever it was he was asking me, I was sure that it wasn't important. And it seemed like he was talking to me from really far away. And he starts moving my hands as if that's what what makes the initiation. It's all in the hand moments, right? And he pushes me down. I have no awareness of my body at all. He's shoving me down the line of people initiating them. And then we pass by my chair, and I sit back down. He said, were you going to do their hands? Now, what he meant was, was I going to initiate their hands? But in that state, as much as I could have a thought, it's like, why does he want me to give them a manicure? <laughs> you know, do their hands. You know. That is enlightenment. Right. And then, then he's picks me up and he's shoving me down the line to do their hands and then I sit back down in the chair and he goes we're going to talk them out of it and what he meant was talk them out of the meditative state but right. again as much as I could have a thought it's like what are they doing wrong that I have to talk them out of because <laughs> like, you were so connected in that time. I was right and so since then you know my, my description is is if a water particle suddenly realized it's one with the ocean it can't ever go back to experiencing itself as a separate water particle. Now, it may not be part of the ocean that's on the coral reefs or part of the ocean that's the tidal wave, but it knows that it's connected with all of that, that as as the ocean moves, it moves. Okay? These are fascinating. So, Laurie, you're going to be sharing these on both uh, Friday and then on... June 1st, su- June not this 1st Friday. And Friday, Sunday, June 1st, and, and Sunday, Sunday. June 3rd from 2 to 4. And you can go online, unityonmaui.org, and, and sign up. Do you have your own up. website as well? Yes, I do. Um, www.archarch.com. 
Actually, archhealing.com. Archhealing.com. Lori, we just thank you. Take our love and aloha to San Diego. I know you get on a plane tomorrow. It's been just a blessing to have you here. You've moved to Maui, so we'll be seeing a lot of you. This is awesome. Her name is Gail. Keakua. Many of you know her because every time. Lori. Lori. What did I say? Lori. He said, I don't know. I must be a Lori Okay, I got to get back. Get back. Come back. And uh, it's archhealing.com. And then uh, join us on on, on the first. Uh, to hear some more of these wonderful stories. And thanks so much for coming by. We're going to be right back with the President of Unity talking about the Middle East and uh, his experience and things that we can do beyond prayer. And we love the idea of having Lori here first because the uh, vibration of aloha is unconditional love that we carry. It's certainly our intention. And uh, how, uh, you know, you just see that each person has a call on their life. And that's one of the things we love to talk to people about on Conversations with Friends is how spirit or infinite intelligence or what you, the source, whatever you call it, there's always a, a, a willingness to move in the direction of the call. Like with Lori, she was a Re- Re- Reiki practitioner for how many years? Fifteen and Fifteen half. years. And already working with the energy, spirit already preparing her and then even more so there is something about surrender and being willing to do your job and be a part of it and then spirit just wows you so Lori, thanks for coming in we'll be right back with tom zinder conversations with friends with mary omwake is a presentation of unity on maui we are a trans-denominational community if you'd like to join our families of sponsors on conversations with friends please call us at unity at 242-9327 There's a reason that Hawaii's premier mortgage company has successfully completed over $2 billion in loans for the people of Maui. With over 20 years of experience and a 99% loan completion rate, Trisha Morris and Premier Mortgage have earned the trust of thousands of Maui homeowners. Where mortgages are concerned, don't leave anything to chance. Go with number one. Call Trisha Morris and her team of magicians today. 874-8800. That's 874-8800 for Hawaii's premier mortgage company. And now, back to Conversations with Friends. And, you know, Jim, I just want to take a minute to remind people that on Sunday mornings we're at the Seventh-day Adventist Church at 9.30 in the silence. 10 o'clock is the celebration service, and uh, it's always beautiful. Also, I wanted to remind people that on um, May 25th, we're going to have uh, Anam Tibetan, uh, Tubten Rinpoche, and uh, he's going to be at Unity Church of Maui, and we're just real honored and, and real blessed to have him. So that's going to be a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, they're recommending the Tibet, um, the Rinpoche Foundation, the Dharma Center, is, is requesting a $15 donation. Always our events at Unity are suggested love offering. Don't ever stay away because of money, because... Um, we just we really want your energy to grow and and blessing somebody else will come along and put in double also i want to just remind people to pick up real estate maui style that color of the jacaranda is exquisite it just jumps out at you purple so wanting to talk it to um a great friend of mine a fabulous human being tom zinder are you there I am here, Mary. Hey, Hi, Tom. Tom. Our, uh, we have talked with you before in the role as president of Unity, and um, you went in there and uh, turned it around, and we're a big part of a huge shift in a 100-plus-year-old organization. And now you've left that behind. And as I shared with our guests a little bit before you came on, there was a call, even as you were doing the work at Unity, something began to emerge in your soul towards peace work, and you found yourself now, what, three trips to the Middle East? Very definitely. How, over what period of time, Tom? It all began uh, in uh, the 
the fall of uh, 2005, um, I went to Istanbul uh, to meet with a group from Palestine and Israel uh, who were seeking to bond together and to create more harmony and peace in their region. And the majority of the people in the group um, were clerics from the three families of Abraham. So there were Islamic uh, imams and uh, Christian priests and ministers and uh, Jewish rabbis, both mm -hmm. Orthodox and otherwise. That's such a really great way of framing it, the three families of Abraham. True. And uh, sometimes uh, throughout history, and maybe more times throughout history, uh, the family's been dysfunctional. <laughs> they're, they're wanting to dissipate that. So the meeting was about uh, formalizing the relationship of uh, some 20 clerics from that area, and they now call themselves the Abrahamic Reunion, and they are very definitely making progress in Palestine and Israel uh, by bringing their communities together and by engaging others uh, to, to work, pray for peace. So that was in 2005 in Istanbul, and you said you've been there two other times. Tell yes. us about that. So that was the Abrahamic reunion, and then uh, eight weeks later I was back in Turkey. Uh, with Racking up those frequent flyer miles. Huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot of them. And uh, uh, th this particular trip was to south-central Turkey, and it was sponsored by Harvard University, who had been incubating an idea for a number of years that uh, Mary and I and others uh, became aware of. And uh, the leader of the organization, uh, the effort, is Dr. Bill Urey, who's been a longtime professor at Harvard University and, and is probably best known for a best-selling book that he wrote a number of years ago about negotiation called Getting to Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, Bill and I and oh, five or six other people um, went to Shan Liurfa, which is in south-central Turkey, and some historians think that's where Abraham was born. Uh, Fifty miles south of there, near the Syrian border, is a little tiny place called Haran, and that is where Abraham began his 600-mile pilgrimage. Uh, given a call from God, he moved uh, all the way down through what today is Syria, Jordan, uh, might have touched Lebanon, um, well, and since he was out there 40 years, he might have touched a <laughs> lot of places right. we're not sure of. it. Either he or Moses or both. Yeah, yeah. Huh? 600, yeah. That's why they say Moses is not so well-respected in the Arab <laughs> world. You know, it's yeah. a, what is yeah. it, a two-week hike by uh, in walking, <laughs> and he took 40 years. But anyway, yeah. that's another story. So that, um, so that journey uh, definitely went through what is uh, today known as Israel. And um, while Abraham did uh, go to Mecca in Saudi Arabia, he eventually wound up back in a, what a portion of Palestine today called Hebron, and that's where he and his wife Sarah and two of their children are entombed. Mm -hmm. So this was a great calling for Abraham, and it demonstrated uh, magnificent faith in God. And so today this, um, this effort is being called the Abrahamic Path. And the third journey uh, occurred just uh, several months ago in November, and that was back to Shan Liurfa and into Haran. And then uh, we again met with um, clerics, but also from the three families, but also um, ministers of tourism, ministers of interfaith dialogue, um, a lot of academic people, and uh, 
so we took the, the entire 600-mile journey uh, down through that same area where Abraham went. And this, this project is becoming more and more formalized by Harvard. And uh, again, the dialogue is aimed at harmonization and peace. And the Harvard project also has um, a deep economic underpinning. Yeah, what is that? What, what is that in terms of the tourism and the economic underpinning? Yeah, that's exactly it. He, um, the, the group is, is working with these various countries with varying degrees of success at this point in time to ramp up tourism because that region is loaded with uh, historic buildings and artifacts and ruins, uh, whether it's attached to uh, religious meaning or not, uh, the area, that whole area is covered with it. So the idea of having a formalized path, a road, uh, where people can walk, ride bikes, take buses, drive cars, mm. or however they would want to traverse any portion of it or all of it. And therefore, that, that begs for hotels, motels, restaurants, gift shops, shrines, restoration of some of the ruins. It, it's a magnificent project, and Harvard has a 30-year window in mind to have this have this emerge. How is that being received over there? Because, I mean, the first the first time I heard about it, I can hear people saying, oh, great, they're just they're making a Disneyland over here. Yeah. What I saw um, what I saw in Turkey was complete acceptance of the idea and some excitement around it. Hmm. You what know, I people saw, take pilgrimages all over the world, uh, especially the Muslim tradition. Yes. We have paths through Spain. There are these sacred walks all over the world that people go and walk. Uh, as a spiritual practice, and I think that's the thing that I really was so excited about is that, you know, we know they call it the Holy Land, but it's the Holy Land for three major traditions on the planet who haven't gotten along, and we know it's probably the most violent, one of the most violent places on the planet, and this putting in a sacred path to remind, and it's the path that Abraham actually took out of Egypt, and um, so it's it's um, an important it's just an important path that he took, not out of Egypt, excuse me, out of, forgive me, uh, out of the old country into the new country. So that this, this could be, for all three spiritual traditions, become a sacred walk. And I love the idea that the plan is to have bed and breakfast or small hotels, one which you could drive, a day's drive, and two that you could walk for those who want to walk. And uh, I, I love there's this. A, there's a great amplification of what you said, Mary, in the sense that um, the pilgrimage by Abraham and by so many of us has the physical dimension. It also has the spiritual dimension because through pilgrimage, many of us are, are transformed into higher levels of consciousness, higher levels of, of awareness of God uh, present in our lives. And so um, that was true of Abraham, and uh, many others have exclaimed, about that, and I felt a great deal of that myself during these trips, and others made a similar comment. So, um, so the fo- but you said that folks in Turkey are are cool with that. Yes, is is that is that generally the the, the thought throughout the region, or are some people less? Uh, Not necessarily. I would say the the Syrians at this point are at the other end of the pole. However, um, obviously there are lots of politics involved. But the idea was not scoffed at. Hmm. It, it wasn't discarded. I think it's a bit on the back burner in that particular region. I just think we'll see it unfold perhaps a little more slowly and a little more in concert with some of, some of their thinking. The clerics 
in Syria are very excited about it. Um, so is, is it, are the folks who are poo-pooing it, or is it more of a reflexive reaction than, than, a, than a contemplative one? I, I think it's probably politically yeah. reflexive. Yeah. But I think in time... Uh, it'll it'll come around. Well, Bill Urey, you know that's a fantastic book. As I one of I, one of my favorite business books, Getting the Yes. So he certainly should be able to help, uh, you know, uh, help really facilitate this dialogue to get everyone to yes to see the the fantastic yes. possibility with this. Yes. Well, it has been an interesting because the the idea originated with Bill Urich, but he brought along Jimmy Carter and his foundation and the Association for Global New Thought. You know, different. Um, it's just such a big project, mm-hmm. but the uh, the credibility of Harvard to go in mm-hmm. and do the long term negotiations that have to take place at level of governance and safety and security, the economic piece, the spiritual piece. But I just am so grateful because, you know, we're just seeing uh, people moving beyond prayer work, which is always a good thing. But I've just uh, recently uh, talked to some people that are taking in nonviolent communication into the Palestinian and Israeli schools, teaching the kids and, uh, you know, giving them the tools. People may yearn for peace, but boy... You know, we need the skills to mm-hmm. do it. And I'm so grateful for uh, people like you, Tom, that are willing on your own dime to go in and do this work. Um, but uh, one interesting is you took two women cleric with you from the United States, and they had an interesting adventure because it is still a very masculine world. Um, Definitely. And how, how were they received, and what, uh, what role, or was there a role? Or they, were, uh, they were very well treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the other clerics and other people in the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were also, um, I would say, that they went unnoticed uh, for some period of time. And then one of the women, uh, um, a minister that Mary and I know, uh, Kathy Hearn, uh, finally penetrated some of that, and Kathy was asked to pray in a circle with all these different people. And I could tell as she was doing it, and especially after she had completed her, her prayer, that the clerics were moved, that they had a deeper understanding of uh, the roles that women can play hmm. in uh, spiritual work. I said, that's, that was amazing to watch that happen. And then it accelerated for the rest of the trip. Now, were there any, uh, in the uh, Turkish uh, clerics that came, or the Syrian, uh, were there any other women besides the American women? Did any of the other groups bring women? um, Among the 20 people, um, Yuri had selected uh, several women, um, some of whom are involved in peace work uh, in general or in the U.S., but there were several who who had lived in Syria, or Palestine, or other parts of the, the Middle East and the Holy Land. Well, what are the next steps, Tom? I know that you now have retired uh, from the f- the world called Unity, which was full-on, full, I'm sure, 60-hour weeks. Now you're back in Southern California. I know you've had some time to rest. Not enough, I'm sure. <laughs> but there's a call on your heart. And, you know, once there's the call, I love that, the call on your soul for peace work. What, how do you see yourself following that in the future? Do you see yourself staying with these projects or broadening out or being I a mouthpiece? So. Um, I think so. At the end of the trip, um, we actually got the two different groups, um, the Abrahamic Reunion people and the Abraham Path people, to meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt um, 
I felt that there there was great purpose in that, and I I intend to stay as involved in both of these projects as I can, while continuing to do um, peace work in the U.S. Um, I'm involved with uh, an effort to um, move more prayers for peace and uh, nonviolent communications or compassionate communications training into uh, Unity churches, New Thought churches, and beyond. It's very, very clear that the vast majority of people in this world want peace. They want a permanent, sustainable peace, and that was also extremely evident in every country that we visited in the Middle East. Well, I know that the Association for Global New Thought that um, we are just so honored to be a part of had the 64-day Gandhi King season for peace and nonviolence, its 10th anniversary this year. And as we celebrated it here on Maui, and I believe it's being celebrated throughout the international community, it has now become the eternal season for peace. And so I just got a phone call today, Tom, about the Forgiveness Project in Mm. August and the Japanese community doing such beautiful peace work with Hiroshima on, I think it's August 8th and August 6th. And then I think it's August 5th, International Forgiveness Day. And then it's just amazing. Uh, It's the eternal washing over for all of us to learn Ho'oponopono is what we call it here in Hawaii, radical forgiveness um, and being being present to what is our, our speaker before us, Tom, before you. Um, she reminded us that in the Hawaiian language, there's no past tense or future tense. It's now. Yeah. And so peace is now. And all of these communities coming together, the family that, that got a rift 4,000 years ago is coming together. Yes. And um, all of us, I think, care about that and all of us... Um, just are so grateful to people like you that actually get on the planes and go meet the people. I think that's the um, citizen diplomats in the USSR um, got on planes and, you know, went over there and went through the horrific efforts because it's not an easy travel. I mean, Mm -hmm. we didn't talk about some of your discomforts, but you weren't staying at the (laughs) (laughs) Ritz-Carlton. That's an understatement. I've heard some of it. It it, it was quite variable, but but the people were very sweet, very kind. Even, Even the Syrian people uh, were markedly hospitable yes. and kind. And um, and I think that's what we need to remember when one-on-one or small groups and small groups, yeah. uh, you know, Jesus said, love your enemies, because, you know, they really aren't there once you get to know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Tom, thank you for Thanks, taking Tom. time. I know you're in uh, kind of overcast Southern California. Well, it lifted <coughs> at noon. <laughs> we send you lots of prayers. Uh, is the fire uh, gone in, in Catalina? It's probably early for you to have fire season over there. You're right. Um, a little more rain would be helpful. Okay. We'll send uh, it your way. Bless both of you. I really appreciate Thank you, Tom. Uh, being and this, able to do this, and I'm honored. And this will go uh, on our podcast. This will be on, um, you can pick it up on the World Wide Web, conversationswithfriends.com. And pick it up 24-7 any time after May twenty May 16th. Uh, how long does it take, Jim, for you to Usually get Usually within a day or so. Within a day or two, yeah. Jim puts it on up, the World Wide Web. And then for anyone listening, you can go back and pick up Ram Das or Deepak Chopra or uh, Wayne Dyer. Just go on there, and they're archived, and you can listen. Tom Zinder, Tom, former— thanks so much. Thanks so much. Aloha. Thank you both. Much love. You know, one of the things that we were uh, telling folks that we would share with them are things that they can do to help make the uh, world a little better place right right. at home. Real practical things. Every week we're going to share one thing that you can do about global warming. Practical, hands-on, won't cost you a fortune. You can actually do it. This is going to be a weekly 
a weekly feature in our program. I've been people have been and 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 people have been asking about it. And the single biggest thing that anyone can do is change a light bulb. I know, but you've been telling us but that we, forever. So give us one more. Yeah, well, Come I on. think well, I want to do the light bulb thing, and All then we'll right. do another oh, okay. one. But the, right. the light bulb thing, if you haven't heard it, if you can change a compact fluorescent bulb, it. Um, will last 10 times longer. They cost a little bit more, but it lasts 10 times longer. And if every home in America would just change one incandescent bulb to a compact fluorescent, it would be the equivalent of removing one million cars off the road in America. And since we know that everybody isn't going to do it, you could do two, three, or four, like in your garage, in, exactly. in your closets, and in your different rooms. You know, They really are economical. They, you they know, are. You, uh, up front, you pay a little, and it's just a little bit more, but bit. now they, they go to the big screw box in stores. Like, and yeah. yeah. Another thing that you can do is um, if you spend a month eating nothing that comes from farther away than 50 miles. In other words, eat only things that grow locally here in Hawaii. Oh, papaya, avocado, tomatoes, green onions. Oh, yummy, yummy. I've just got the best little market. <laughs> so much, so much uh, carbon is produced transporting produce and mm. transporting meats and vegetables and breads from the mainland and from all over. If you just eat locally and go to the farmer's market here on the weekends, and it's actually now throughout Lunch, the week, long sasm, you can, you can eat locally and you can eat more nutritiously and you can help save the environment. And the beef grown here on Maui doesn't oh. have all that awful chemicals yeah, and hormones and all and this stuff. That's delicious. Oh, my. And, and that costs you a few pennies more, but it's so good. And you don't wake up with a headache. You know, yeah. you eat a lot of beef sometimes, and you get a headache. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just eat locally, and, it, and it's not only good for you nutritionally, but it's good for the environment. That and changing light bulbs, those are your two tips for today. Every week here on Conversations with Friends, we're going to be sharing more tips, little ways that you can change your life to help the environment. So we want to see you on Sunday, but Friday night, May 25th, a Dharma Talk with Anam Tupten Rinpoche. It's going to be at Unity Church at 7 to 8.30. Then on Saturday, 6.30 to 9 o'clock is the end of reincarnation with Stephen Blue. For those of Course in Miracles fans or uh, devotees or in, just interested in it, they've taken it to the next step. The end of the world, which is just um, the end of the illusion which uh, we were talking about today. So we'll see you at Unity Church of Maui at the Seventh-day Adventist Church, 10 o'clock on Sunday. And we'll see you right here on Conversations with Friends next Tuesday. I'm James Jacobson. And you know, you really do have it within you to have a blessed day. Set the intention and love everyone you see. Mm-hmm.